from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We're back. Colorado Sports Guys with me, as always, Ross Hipsters, Glasses Martin. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Where the West lives, it lives on and on and on. Making even way. in my absence. Damn it! Making his way even when I, down here from Thornton, the King himself, Jeff Moore. What's up, everybody? Uh, nice to see Mr. Ross again. It's uh, been a while. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's, you know, especially good just to see you two guys. You guys are my buddies. I miss you. It's been like two months. Yeah. Making his uh, debut on the podcast. We got the guy I like to call Adam Mars, but I don't know what the hell your last name is. Mares. Yeah, that's close enough. Um, it's actually, if you really want to say it, it's Mares. Mares. Which is Mares. Like a, a, lot, a lot sexier than Mars. Mares. Mares. Adam Mares. Adam Mares. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised we're even podcasting right now, because as soon as I heard you, Adam, were going to be on the podcast, I was like, well, something's going to go wrong. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Jake's food and spirits will have burned down. There will be a tornado, because this is the third try at getting you on, and uh, it looks like... The universe is in line yes. to bring you on, and it's good to have you. It's good to have You're you. a strong mind. <laughs> it's and good to be here in the no. uh, CSG studios. Yes, to see high above high the above streets. The streets. Yes, <laughs> we probably need to change that eventually. Yeah, it's Jake's Food the Spirits. The best place. Hi. I, just, I just had some delicious food here. You did? Uh, they always know how to do it. New menu. Two hey, guys, Tuesdays. I will say this. Do you guys want to come down to a nice restaurant in uh, Denver? Go to Jake's. And say hi to this uh, the, uh, mysterious Jake Feinstein. Yeah. No matter what, where he is, we don't know. But you could say he's he enig- enigmatic. Yes, he is. Yes, an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Or yes. they keep him in the attic and feed him fish heads. Yes. Yeah. And the, unless he's in the cellar. That too. Sometimes they keep old Jake in the cellar. That too. Well, uh, if, if anybody doesn't know Adam, he obviously does some work for us on Denver Stiffs. You also write for Nylon Calculus and Hardwood Paroxysm as a as a whole now? Um, yeah, I write for both of them Yeah, on occasion. So, okay, so you write for Hardwood Paroxysm. That's right. Okay, and the other one is Nylon Calculus. Right. So I'm guessing nylon meaning the net, and this yes. is... Is this an analytics-based site? It's, it's a women's nylons uh, <laughs> website. And all the best styles. <laughs> no, yeah, it's an it's a, it's a analytics one. And I write there pretty infrequently, probably once a month. Um, and then hardwood paroxysm is uh, you know, all basketball stuff. Some funny stuff, some serious. But they're both, um, it's not quite as, uh, I would say, like, you know, highbrow is like is a name like Denver Stiffs, right? Like everybody knows what that is. <laughs> yes. Except for people who don't know what it is. Highbrow. But, but if you don't have to like look up the word like you do on paroxysm. And then nylon calculus can mean a diff- million different things. I also have trouble when I go to the try to find HP. It's in my address bar most places, but if I'm using a different computer, I'm like, how the hell do I spell paroxysm? Yeah. No clue. B A R O X Y Z M. Y S M. I didn't even know what paroxysm meant until about two weeks ago. Y-S-M. So Matt Moore started that website, right? Uh, yeah. He came on our podcast once before and said the re- he got inspired by Dikembe Mutombo's lying on the, his back, holding the basketball up and being like, Aah! That's awesome. <laughs> and he called that a paroxysm, right? That's where he was inspired by it? 
You guys remember yeah. that story? Sounds right to me. Yeah. There's like 100,000 words I would have thought of before paroxysm to describe yeah. that, but I well, like it. Are you sure he wasn't inspired by Who Want to Sex Mutombo? Who Want to Sex Mutombo? <laughs> <laughs> I love Diamond! <laughs> <laughs> I love Moutier! Son of the Congo! Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does love the new Muppets draft pick, Emmanuel Kimbe, Seriously, Kimbe. recording a podcast. There we are. Jeez. Could you please just uh, step outside? We'll talk to you in a minute. Man, it's not often the Kembe Mutombo just shows up He'll just on randomly sticks his head in here. He's a duck. He's got some gold mines to The Kembe Mutombo, Mubalumbo, Dabalumbo, Dabalumbo, Mutombo. I read an interesting... We know your name, Dikembe. Leave us alone now. I read an interesting piece today that, that tried to almost put Mutombo in the same international waters, as, so to speak, as like Ethmios Renzias. Is it Turkmenish? Like the second round, like late first round and second round picks. And they're like, well, Mutombo panned out, but Renzias and Ismet Turkmenish didn't pan out so well. And it's like, well, no shit. Mutombo is a lottery pick, a top five pick. These other guys were flyers in the second round. Like, and there's a the difference. Kembe Mutombo played for Georgetown. He was not an unknown, right? That's true. Yeah. He went four years. You know years how many broads he sexed up, sexed up and down the Beltway during his time in Georgetown? Yes. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty. Trust me. There's a lot of little <laughs> Jean Jacques Wamutumbos walking around <laughs> out there. That's true. That's true. But there, I mean, there's tears in the draft. Obviously, we just went through the draft. Uh, Ross, let's get your first thoughts on on what you thought the Nuggets did in this draft. They lucked out. As they've so often done uh, throughout their history, though. Uh, it's, uh, well, I mean, everybody gets lucky a little bit, but not this lucky. This is incredible. Uh, this, the guy, Moutier, this guy's a steal. It's great. It's great news. Uh, what's, what's really impressive and the most important thing is that the decision-making was removed from the Nuggets because every European scrub <laughs> from North Poland was already taken by other idiots. North Pole, <laughs> or whatever. Probably the former funny. North Public, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the Republic formerly known as North. Is it like like North Carolina? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on. You're, yeah, I'm from North exactly Poland, right, yeah. <laughs> and they got Moutier, uh, uh, an international man of mystery, who, who wasn't too mysterious to most basketball fans. Who know this guy's going to be a legitimate. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a longtime NBA player. Barring any injuries, but he's sturdy, he's big, he's a point guard, he's exactly what the Nuggets need. What did you think of the uh, 57th pick? Well, <laughs> what did everybody think about the 57th pick? That's my question to you. It's pretty obvious. What did you guys like? Adam, Jeff, feel free to chime Wait, did, in. Did we, have, have you guys not recorded a podcast since the draft? No. No, oh, we okay. did a pre-draft extravaganza with Andrew Feinstein oh, last the week. extravaganza. <laughs> At yeah. Jake's Food and Spirits. You know when Nate Timmons is tired because the uh, the title of the podcast is always like something, 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 oh my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, Timmons had a long day that day. I just like, one thing pops in my head, I'm like, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about changing it, and I was like, ah, forget it. Default. Yeah. Forget it. Uh, so you're wanting to know our opinion? Sure. I mean, if you want to give it, this is a... Uh, I, I agree with Russ. <laughs> I agree. I agree with Russ. The Nuggets looked out, and uh, it's good. It's good that they looked out, and uh, they didn't have to 
do massive trades to move up and sacrifice assets, but they're going to do that anyway. That was a guy they legitimately could have moved up to get. Yes, yeah. Now, they would have moved up to get some Mario Hazonia dude, which would have been a huge mistake, a colossal mistake. Mario Hazonia, they call him Super Mario for a reason. Sure, I get that. But (laughs) Moutier, better better pick. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, uh, could have been number one. And they got him at seven. Seven? Fantastic. Good job. Yep. yep. And, uh, and as my pappy always says, smarter to be lucky than it's lucky to be smart. That's true. So, and as you always news. say, uh, you want more players from the projects and fewer pod- project players. Yes. Yeah, or I fewer see. players from North Poland. I, I, from I, North I, Poland. I yes. said it more eloquently than that. <laughs> yes, that's the gist. Shut up. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I agree with Ross. Who said they lucked out, but it was a great pick. And uh, even the like son the, of the Congo. I even like the second round pick, uh, Radicevic. So. Is it Radicevic? Radicevic? Radicevic. <laughs> I've only heard it Radicevic, but Nikola either one sounds good to me. Nikola Radicevic? Actually, so there's some people who pronounce it Radicevic, but I think it's Radicevic, but, you know, whatever. It's, Remember it's, back uh, in the days when you would just change your name to an American thing? You'd be like, <laughs> hello, my name is Tom Smith. So you, like, you nice would rather you, Tom. he changed his name to Jones or something? Yeah, I'm just saying. Is you remember it, those days? It's Nicola, right? I, mean, I, Nicola, meant, I was yeah. actually asking you, Jeff, if you remember those days, Ellis Island days. Oh, that's true. I don't remember them. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember, them. but you have to understand that was a long time ago. And you know, when you're like that age, I mean, I was only in my 20s when people were coming across in boats. So <laughs> I, I don't necessarily have that kind of reach within my memory. But I believe I do vaguely well, the recall. Scurvy <laughs> deteriorates the brain. I do recall vaguely. Uh, yes, that that was happening. Yeah. What do you guys make of, of Moutier just playing 12 games in China and not seeing a lot of footage of him? A guy that – I was thinking about this today. I'm watching some some highlights of him, the one where he does Adam the Dream Shake that Heck we yeah. talked about. And I'm thinking, okay, so this was a guy that was considered the number one point guard prospect in his class before this last college season. And now, you know, is he a guy that maybe was better than everybody because he was – better than everybody when they were young and he's not going to grow anymore or does he still have room to grow his game and you know just that sure. aspect of yeah it. no that's the big question and you know one of the things i've done over the last like three or four days or since whenever the draft was is i've gone back and looked at all the top picks coming out of high school from 2008 9 10 11 12 and you get some really weird names you know, you get you get a lot of guys that were ranked number one, and they went number one uh, even after a year of college. And then you get some names that I've never even heard of. You know, the 2011 number one ranked players, a guy none of us know, and he just he just flamed out. So I don't. I, I mean, that's the big mystery to it. I trust you know Conley and the staff, and not just them. You know, everybody has been given us given the Nuggets an A grade on this draft. I think a lot of people are really high on him, not just from what he did in high school, but from what they saw of him, even in those limited minutes in China. I thought it was pretty crazy as you're talking about guys that are highly ranked. I mean, Cliff Alexander was a consensus top three guy going into this class. Goes to Kansas, one and done guy. Didn't even get drafted on draft night. I mean, this was this would be like Carmelo Anthony going to Syracuse and then not getting drafted yeah, right. in the NBA. I mean, There's a lot was... of guys like that, you know, Brooks Thompson, yeah. <laughs> just to name one. <laughs> Brooks Thompson, <laughs> Jesus, old Brooks, <laughs> old Brooks. Well, I think people are trying to be smarter than they are, right? <laughs> smarter to be lucky than it's lucky to be smart. That's yeah, why you get you know, sometimes you can weird picks, and sometimes you can one you can think yourself into a bad pick, yeah. i.e., the and Knicks. And uh, which is yet to be. I mean, oh, that's true. We don't know. But 
you know, it, it was disappointing to a lot of Knicks fans, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of Nuggets fans out there that are just like, uh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I would be worried too. But like, you know, the, the problem is, is that everybody wants to get the next Dirk Nowitzki, which there's literally one. That's, that's a great point. I mean, I mean player comparisons. We're talking about even with Moutier, people are like John Wall or Baron Davis. Or I said that one. Throw myself <laughs> in the bus. John Wall, Baron Davis, this guy, that guy, Russell Westbrook. When it comes to the end of it, you know, Russell Westbrook. Who do you compare him to now? He's himself, right? Right. And then same with Dirk. I mean, Dirk was a once in a lifetime guy. If there's ever anybody like him or Jordan or MJ or Magic, you just don't see those guys ever again. They are their own person. So we always spend all this time trying to figure out their player comp and who they might be when ultimately they're going to grow into just their own thing. Right. You know? And that's one the part of the uh, – one of the reasons why you see a lot of busts early on is, one, the money in the NBA is so high. The pressure on these players is so great. So when you see guys like Skeetish Vili get picked, obviously, you know, <laughs> uh, who's the dude that went uh, – for the Pistons, what's the guy's name? I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Darko Milicic. Darko Milicic, right? Yeah. By the way, had a long, distinguished career. Had a few championships, right? Or at least one. Right? He got one, I think. Yeah, yeah, he got one. Very distinguished. In his rookie season. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, can't ask for more but, of an but, impact but Think about that. these guys. Greg Oden, right? These are guys that are, these are can't-miss guys, right? But there's a lot of pressure. The NBA is a crazy environment. So much money for mediocre talent. That if you're getting big time money, that's enough to crush a single guy. It's kind of nice why Moutier fell right in at seven. Which, for as far as he's concerned, he could play his whole career with a chip on his shoulder as a, as like a you know a guy who doesn't get drafted at all in the NFL and comes in like a Rod Smith or or, or whoever, right? These types of guys, I think it's perfect. If you got number one or two, who knows if he has the mental fortitude? And now he also happens to be in Denver, which is the not just the absence of a spotlight on it, as far as the NBA, uh, you know, landscape goes. It's like a black hole here. You come to Denver and you disappear. Um, he, he should thrive here. I think uh, the NBA draft is a crapshoot. I mean, if you go back and look, a guy like Danny Granger, really good player, not a superstar, not a guy that's going to carry a team. And I think with with Moutier, you know, he's the number seven pick. I really hope he turns out to be a cornerstone piece for us. But the likelihood is that a number seven pick is going to become a solid rotation guy. And, I mean, we all at this time project such great things on these guys, but the likelihood of them being a LeBron James or, or even a Russell Westbrook-type player is really slim. Well, it's, it's probably 0%. Yeah. It's probably literally a 0% chance, right? Yeah, but you know what? Let's, but, let's not make this podcast a negative one. This is, we're, three weeks, we're three days away from the most exciting Nuggets day in eight months. I'm pumped. I, as a Nuggets fan, I'm excited. No, fr- three days ago was the oh, most gotcha. exciting Nuggets. Oh, I see. It's been bleak in Nuggets days, country. We're three days removed. Well, think right. about it. Think about it this way. I mean, we could be sitting here talking about okay, the Nuggets drafted Willie Cauley Stein with yep. the seventh pick. Yep. I mean, that that was very realistically a possibility. So I mean, you get a guy that you know anybody like Ross. You already said it. He could have gone top three, top two. If he'd gone to college, maybe he makes a case for a number one pick if he plays well. You know, I mean, Russell wasn't going to be the first pick. Obviously, it depends on team need. But, I mean, this is a guy that was, like, right there. Like, you, the Nuggets got yep. a guy that meant something in this draft. I mean, this was a guy that I've, I've, I've known about Emmanuel Moutier for at least two years. And, if and this I was, don't even hardly pay right. attention to high school and college stuff. And if this was ten years ago, he very well could have been a number two or number one pick a year ago, right? 
before the rules came into place and said he had to go. Oh yeah, to file himself in China. Yeah, before the <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, it was ten years ago when they made the change for two nineteen. So yeah, yeah, it could have been he could have entered in, into the into the draft earlier, and it could have changed a lot of different things. Um, and to be to be honest with you, I'm I'm happy that the Nuggets were fortunate, you know, and to, quite frankly, even when you're trying to be very intelligent about a pick, it could be a complete bust. You know, you could have a player that has loads of injuries, and it couldn't like Greg Oden, who was a great good player, but was injured literally right off the bat. So, I mean, obviously there are is a stroke of luck regardless of where you go. I'm sure. just happy that the Nuggets were fortunate enough to get such a highly rated player without having to trade. Now, surprise, surprise, I missed the Nuggets pick on the draft. I was watching, but I, I missed it. I was flipping back and forth. <laughs> To HGTV, yeah. You guys ever watched a Fixer Upper? God, yeah, it's a good show. Chip, uh, what's his face and his wife? Yeah. They're the best. Anyway, how much time? How much time was on the clock for the Nuggets? Like, was it three seconds or was it the full ninety <laughs> seconds? I don't even know. What are you talking? Oh, about you guys the, weren't the, watching? The, like, you know, the team goes on the clock. Like you're on the clock. Oh yeah, no, 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 they, five minutes. Right like they, they should have been like after. Yeah, Ross is like, saying, did they like, say, okay, they took Willie Collie Stein? Here's our pick. Go. Right. Yeah. Next yeah like they should have just been like. The only reason why it could have delayed is because they didn't realize he was still available. Like you're sure it's a manual Moody? Yeah, yeah. Two yeah. M's. This is a. This is the right guy, right? This is a victory. Right. According to everybody, Nuggets have had a great month. I think you look at it, too, and something I, I look at with Moutier or even a prospect, what, what would you fear? What would you guys fear as, like, a fatal flaw for these guys? To me, I, I feared a guy that maybe wasn't mentally tough, and I think this kid is very mentally tough, and his fatal flaw supposedly is shooting, and that's, like, something I don't fear that much. I think that's something that you can make better. You can't make somebody's character better. You know, his willingness to want to <coughs> play Rajon defense, Rondo. his experience in pick and roll. I mean, I think him being a, a kind of a weak shooter, and I don't think it's as bad as somebody like Rondo either. I don't, I don't mind it that much. No, definitely. I think uh, with him, all the stuff that he's, you know, quote-unquote weak at or that he needs to improve are stuff that I think are he's going to. Um, they're things that are very, very fixable. I think his basketball IQ and just his feel for the game – um, especially in pick and roll situations and attacking the basket, those are two things that you either have or you don't have. Especially at this age, it's really hard to teach a guy instincts about getting into the paint and what to do once you get there. And he has those. Um, his shot, you know, it, it's ugly, but I'm encouraged because by all accounts, he's a gym rat. He's the kind of guy that spends 18 hours in the gym. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really encouraged. I think he's going to get. I think he's going to improve in his weaknesses, and I think he'll be a really, really solid guy. That kind of worried me about D'Angelo Russell, the fact that he is a guy that needs to work on getting to the rim and finishing once he's in the paint. And to me, guys, if they are jump shooters in the NBA, you can be kind of scared into just being a jump shooter. And if Moody is already a guy that attacks the rim, it's like, well, that's kind of a leg up because he just has to work inside out versus outside in, which might be harder. I don't know. Is there any requirement that Moody has to be a great shooter to be successful and to be a solid contributor to the Nuggets? Why, why is that all of a sudden what everybody talks about because of guys like Steph Curry? Well, or? well for two reasons. One is the immediate need of the Nuggets. The Nuggets really don't have any shooting uh, on this roster. They have Wilson Chandler and Gallo and Randy Foy. Um, none of those guys, I would say, are reliable uh, at spacing the court. So an immediate need. But I think long term, you absolutely have to have two or three shooters on the court in the, in the modern NBA. You've got to push people, the defense out on the perimeter. Um, and, you know, if your point guard doesn't do that, that means three of your other four players, including your center, 
are going to have to be able to do that, and I just think it makes it a little bit diff- tougher to build around. Well, the Nuggets have um, Nikola Jokic is there? Is <laughs> bringing, yes, are bringing someone over who is advertised as a stretch five, a la Dan Issel, as I remember back <laughs> no, in the days when I was in my forties. When Dan Issel played, when I was in my forties watching the <laughs> Nuggets basketball in the eighties, in the nineteen forties. Oh, in your forties? Yeah, in my forties. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, but that you know. Jokic is one guy they're kind of banking on being able to shoot and stretch the floor and do all that stuff. I, I you know, that's that's going to be remaining to be seen. And we'll be, Nate and uh, you, uh, both of you guys, Adam and Nate, will be seeing them in uh, Summer League. I'm excited to see Jokic. One of the most things I'm most excited about being out there for. Just because he is a, just a giant question mark. He's a giant man. You know, he's a big guy, but. I just I, there's no way to know if those game will correlate to the NBA, but I feel like it will. I just want to see it. You know, you never want to judge guys on highlight tapes and interviews. But I saw a Draft Express interview with him from 2014, and uh, they asked him, you know, would you rather spend the next season? It was 2014, so they were talking about the year that just happened. They said, would you rather be in college or would you rather be playing in the pro? And he said. No, in Europe, I want to be a pro. In college, they're too fast, too strong. And I thought, God, that's not an encouraging answer. <laughs> I've been well, in Portland for two days, and these guys are kicking my yeah. ass. Well, it's funny. Um, out. Apparently, Jokic uh, has spent quite a bit of time in the United States and is has got a brother, I think, living yeah. in Detroit. Brother played up in Detroit. Yeah. He spent some time last year. Remember Conley was telling us he was in L.A. working out, and that was yeah. like the first time he'd really been in a weight room and done, doing like some of that stuff. <laughs> well, what, what is this? A, a lot of the European players don't work out. They, uh, they, Nurkic was never in a yeah. weight room, for instance. And uh, much, really. you could tell he was very you – know, Nurkic was a big guy, but he was very doughy when he came yeah. over because he never toned himself up. You know, I think that um, – but him is culturally, he's not going to be as culture shocked as Nurkic was when he came over. And uh, one of the reasons, one of the things that Kristaps Porzingis keeps saying is that he is versed with the American culture. Therefore, he will adjust. He's still listening to Riding Dirty. Yeah, he's, I was going to say, and I then I watched this, and then I watched this video of him listening to Chameleon Air, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, almost. I like this guy. Almost. And I both are into the back in the day cafe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. you, you missed it by about nine years. I mean, you, you, yeah. I was waiting for him to like click on some some like uh, what you know by Ti or someone like that. That's Thinking, a good song. Like, yeah, I, I like you know, it's, like, it's it's funny too with Jokic. I mean, this was okay. So Moutier's the talk on him is he goes to China, plays only plays twelve games, not a lot of tape on him. Jokic, however, you know, is a star. He has his first breakout season, sixteen points, about ten rebounds, I think three or four assists or something like that. I mean, it's going to be very interesting how he because he's another guy that hasn't been playing for that long, and really, when you kind of think about it, and people say, "Well, he's only been playing basketball for five years," it's like, "Well, no shit, he's 19. Started <laughs> around 14 or 15. Right, you know, right. That makes a lot of sense." Uh, but with him, it, it's that same thing with Nurkic. Didn't play a lot. He's only been playing for like five years, something like that. So I'm just excited to see him because I don't have any clue how his game will translate. When I watched him in the 2014 Nike Hoop Summit game, when he was teammates with Moutier. All he did was set screens and hang out on the perimeter. And he got some rebounds but on the defensive end, but he just didn't seem very comfortable. And I'm curious to see how much he actually grew this last year playing with Megalex. It's going to be interest, interesting seeing him in Summer League. I, I, mean, I think, like I said, that's probably the number one thing I am, to see how he competes with, with grown men and guys that are competing for spots and just the physicality of it all. Especially if Porzingis plays. Like, I hope he plays because it would be fun to see Jokic versus Porzingis. 
because that's kind of what we've been arguing with, like Sam Vecini about CBS Sports. Of hey, these guys are pretty similar. He's like, no, Porzingis is another level. And you kind of hear from guys that had Porzingis. Even Conley told us, had Jokic come out this year, he wouldn't have been a second round pick. You know, some believe he might have been a fringe lottery pick. So you're adding two guys. That's another big get for the Nuggets. They're adding. They weren't able to add two first round picks, but they. They are. And I'm not so convinced this new revolution of stretch fives is going to be a thing that takes off. There's already only a handful of actual stretch fours. Um, people kind of act like everybody's shooting threes. There's really only a handful of guys that can do it pretty consistently. So I'm not sure that we're going to see a bunch of teams with fours and fives that can shoot. Are you saying that he's not Irvitas Sabonis? I, I do not. I, I, I would doubt that very much. Sabonis, by the way, one of my all-time favorite players. Easily in my top ten. You and uh, Paul Klee who's a big fan of Sabonis' son, who plays up at uh, Gonzaga. Right, yeah, big Gonzaga. Oh, God, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And it's a cool part about, okay, so if you have a seven-footer hanging on the perimeter, you think that's obviously going to take away from your offensive rebounding. But then if you have a guy like Moutier, who's supposed to be an above-average kind of rebounder, you know, that's when you start getting to that talk of kind of positionless basketball, where if you have a guard that has to suck down and get some rebounds here and there. But I don't know. I, th- I find So the could it be Fat Lever? Yeah, I mean, that's that's another one that people have kind of said with, with Moody. It's Fat Lever, which is, you know, guard with size, defender. Yeah, uh, Lever was, the for years, the leading rebounder in the Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, a, he was the point guard, you know, but he was an excellent rebounder. He just went after rebounds. And that's a part of, I mean, Ross could tell you this, part of rebounding is effort, you know, just wanting to do it and the will to, to get the rebound. It's a good point. There's, there's I mean, it's a good point that you made that I would make. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, there, there is an inverse correlation <laughs> well between offensive rebounds and offensive efficiency. And I think and, – and there's a trend. I, I made this about a year ago of offensive well, rebound go. rating. <laughs> and, it, and just over the last 20 years, offensive rebounding has become less and less important. I think it's obviously the Cavs prove that it can still be a valuable weapon as they just crushed it on the boards in the finals and in the playoffs. But I think uh, if you have a player that can space the court, you're going to score more points and maybe grab two or three less rebounds a game. That's still a positive. Yeah, that works for me. Well, I even think this other guy they got. Radisevich. 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 He's got some game. Me and and Jeff talked about him today on the phone a little bit and kept circling around like, you know, kind of a Manu Ginobili type shot with, with maybe some instinct to get to the rim. As well, he's he's like a cross between Manu Ginobili and um, Goran Dragic. It's, it's it's a strange combination, but he's not nearly as explosive as Goran Dragic. But he's got the left-handed dribble. You know, he's got the you know. It's an interesting combination. I never you know I never really paid any attention to the draft pick. All of us, I mean, even Nate, we're we're sitting around the table in the lounge and we're like, oh, okay. It's the a, it's the fifty seventh in, in the media lounge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the media lounge. Um, we were sitting in the media lounge, and you know, all of us were like, "Okay, it's the fifty seventh pick." You know, it's not much is expected of the fifty seventh pick in the draft. You know, of the sixty picks. But I did some research on him, and the Nuggets could have a little bit of a gem on their hands because he's kind of like he's sneaky and uh, point guard, right? Yeah. Yeah. He played his teammates with size, Porzingis, so. with Savelle and, and Spain, and that's a tough league. You know, people praised Porzingis for playing well in a tough league, and same with same with Nikola there. So that, that might have been a find. And, and look what Conley's kind of done in the last few drafts too. Uh, Joffrey Laverne, fifty fifth pick, fifty fourth, fifty fifth. He comes over. He's on the team already. You know, if you bring over Jokic this year, 
if they bring over this Nikola 2, let's call him Nikola 2. <laughs> Nick Verdisevich. If, he, if he's going to play another season overseas with Savelle, they're expecting his role to be expanded. He's going to get more action. And then maybe he comes to Denver next season when they probably really need a backup point guard. Right. If, you know, if Jameer Nelson's not around, if Ty Lawson's traded, uh, Eric Green, Ian Clark, I mean, they have a, a weird roster right now. But it, it to go three for three on international guys in the second round would be insane if those guys are able to contribute in meaningful ways, which we don't have any clue of yet. It's important to point out that the new league year starts in an hour, as of the recording oh, of this right, podcast, right. an hour and 20 minutes. And Talking about some free agency? That will be some, some free agency going on, and there's already rumors of crazy signings and trades going on. And LaMarcus Aldridge may be going to, like, five different teams. Gotta you know? love the NBA. And yeah, what are you guys paying attention to with free agency? It's, what, I, what names? What teams? Aldridge and uh, I'm, Gasol is off the market, but uh, Aldridge and uh, DeAndre jo- uh, Jordan have, are the two big names to really focus on right now. I think absolutely. <laughs> it would be, be really interesting to see what happens with DeAndre Jordan because the Clippers really have kind of gone to bat for him, especially Doc Rivers has been in his corner yeah, saying he's the defensive player of the year. And it's really interesting to me when guys want uh, a bigger role at the things they suck at. And yeah. DeAndre Jordan sucks on offense. I mean, his role really is to dive to the rim, and if they throw it up, you dunk it. If not, get out of the way. And that's a huge part of what the Clippers do. I mean, they've huge. turned that into a, a, a scary thing. You need that guy, and he's so good at it, but he wants a bigger part of the offense. And I'm, what, do you, what do you mean? You want more jump shots because you're terrible at those? You want more post-up because you're terrible at those? Yeah. Like, what do you want to be a bigger part of? Do what you do, and you're going to be, and everybody loves you. Part of me hopes he goes to, like, I don't know, Charlotte, and it's just terrible, and everybody forgets about him, and then he's like, okay, I, I want to go back to rebounding. Yeah, and they're saying it's Mark Stein. I was listening to him and Zach Lowe on the way here, and they're saying it's probably between Dallas and, and the Clippers for DeAndre Jordan, which is I'd, I'd love to see him go to Dallas just yeah, because I, I like fit. I kind of like movement. It's kind of weird. Um, and then you look at the Blazers. I mean, the Blazers might lose Wes Matthews, Aaron Aflalo. They already lost Nick Batum, Nick Batum yeah. Marcus Aldridge, Robin Lopez. I mean, they might be a lottery team next year just because they lose all their free agents, which but, would suck for the Nuggets. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> we, need, we need that draft pick. <laughs> that, that would suck for the Nuggets. Um, for yeah, that one, for people that don't know, the Nuggets own Portland's pick, but it's lottery protected for two years. So if Portland misses the playoffs, the Nuggets don't get the pick. If they make the playoffs, the Nuggets get the pick. And then after the third year, it turns into two second-round picks. Which, they're falling. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs next year, the way things are going. It looks like all the players are out the door other than Lillard. Yeah, um, like maybe they bring back Wes Matthews. Maybe one of my favorite players in the NBA, absolutely killer that he that he tore his Achilles just because I don't. He wants fifteen million, and I don't know. That's such a gamble. That's such a crucial injury. I don't know. You have no idea what you're getting if you if you sign him. Yeah, I mean it changed mm-hmm. Darrell Arthur. It changed Sean Leonard, but he was old. Same with Chauncey <laughs> Bill, too. He was older. Yeah. But it, the one guy that was younger that kind of relied on athleticism was Darrell Arthur, and you know. I don't know if he's totally back to who he was. He seemed like he flew around a little bit more with Memphis, and he did. At what time point with the do they start doing preemptive ACL replacement surgeries on these guys when they're young? Like almost like Tommy John. <laughs> you kind of wonder, like the offensive linemen in the NFL wear those knee braces. It's like can't they design something like that to try to? I don't know. <laughs> I think they can go in and just literally you know? replace it. Like just, huh. just put it like, when you're like twelve. Yeah. <laughs> like, or no, right. you know, like nineteen. Like you always hear about old guys. 
they get their uh, you know their hip Hips replacements when they're seventy five. They're they're saying no no go get it when you're fifty eight now, and then you you know it's awesome. I th- I think Danny Green's another guy. Changing topics again. <laughs> I think Danny Green's another guy that'll be interesting to go. He's a hip replacement. No, 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 no. He's, his hip is good, <laughs> but he's a guy that I think is a little under the under the radar because you know he's not an all star or superstar. But he's a guy that I think is just dramatically underrated. One of the best perimeter defenders in the league. One of the best shooters in the league. I mean, that's that's the skill you need, and a super smart guy. Well, let me let me ask you this though: Is he only a player that works in context of the Spurs? I think he's underrated. I bet, but. We have no way of knowing because yeah. he's only been. I mean, some of these Spurs players they leave and they're like they 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 aren't the same without sure. the Spursian sure. thing going. They, I mean, they don't have the protection of Tim Duncan. They don't have you know that kind of that whatever they got there going on. And it's kind of like eh, you know it's, it's he's okay, but he's he was at another level when he played with better players and better coaching. You know, I think one of the differences is that four or five years ago this was really true because the Spurs were playing a unique brand of basketball. And in 2015, a lot of teams are playing their brand of basketball. So while he might get, I think somebody tweeted this out about Boris Diaw today, going to the Cavs, they said he'd, get, he'd be really bored playing in Cleveland. And I think that's true for some guys if they went to a, a team that relied on one player, like Oklahoma City, or a, a team that was real stagnant, I think they would, they would uh, be hurt. But Danny Green's a guy I think would fit in in a lot of rosters. He just do you, does his job. What do you think his like, best fit is? If he, Why would you... I, He'll probably leave San Antonio if he wants to get paid, right? The Spurs don't have a ton of money. They're trying to lure LaMarcus Aldridge. Where's a good fit for him where he's going to be able to get money and still be relevant? Because I look at, like, a Flalo rumored to the Knicks, and it's like, yeah, you might get paid, but, Jesus, I thought you were saying you want to win a championship. You're going to win 30 games. I mean, he look, I, you can't fault a guy for wanting some money, and if he can get paid, by all means, take the place that's going to get you. He's already won championships. He's already been part of a great team and sacrificed. I don't begrudge sacrificed. people who, for wanting money. I mean, especially when – Owners will passive aggressively try to get you to take less. Right. You know, kind of like what Pat Riley has done with Dwayne Wade. You know, it's like eventually you got to say, well, you know, I've given up millions and millions of dollars. That doesn't come back to you. You know, I don't blame anyone for chasing money in the NBA. Not at all. If you want to know who won the lockout in 2011, just look at the free agency this year and how many teams are saying, well, if you want to win, you got to take less. The Spurs are all taking less. Dallas mm-hmm. has had their players taking less. Miami wants Dwayne Wade to take less, even though he already has taken less every single year he's been yes. in there. Yep. So if you want to know who won that, all the superstars are they're put up in a, point, a position where they either want to win or they want to get paid. And uh, But next year with the salary cap's going to explode to $88 million, and then the year after that will be under, over $100 million. Um, things are going to be changing in the NBA really rapidly. <laughs> Really rapidly, so that's what this free agency is about right now. Is like these, you're going to see a lot of short-term contracts. You're going to see a lot of one-year contracts. You're going to see a lot of two-year contracts with a second year out, especially with these unrestricted free agency guys. And uh, I, I've heard that Lafalo wants a one, a two-year deal or a one-year deal to take advantage of the money. I, I think Lafalo is too old to be quite honest yeah. with you for that. Yeah, he's not going to big pay that again. Uh, and in fact, if we go by his year in Denver, which was subpar, <laughs> then you know that uh, you know it's not going to be hard, easier said than done. But that's what that's influencing every free agent's tr- I mean, even even uh, uh, Butler, uh, Jimmy Butler, yeah. was wanting yeah. a short deal so he could take advantage of the money. That's which is crazy everything. for him to me. That really blows my mind because he's already done that. He's already taken the, the risk last year where he signed the one-year deal. Now he's going to sign another one and possibly another one. Yep. That's just, you're risking a lot there. But to get back to Aflalo, 
maybe my favorite deal of the whole summer would be a flawless to the Knicks. It would be the my absolute favorite thing, not because it would be good, but because it would be the perfect thing for Phil Jackson to just run this triangle. A flawless is like MJ if MJ sucked. That's what I always say. He's, and I love a flawless. He's one of the nicest guys I ever met. He plays MJ or Kobe style basketball where he posts up on uh, at the free throw line and hits turnaround fadeaways, but he hits them at about a thirty percent rate. Um, he doesn't pass the ball. <laughs> Call him a ball stopper. You know, yeah, if you yeah. had him and Melo together again, it's going to be ugly. It would be beautiful. But he be and Melo are boys, and that, and that's that that goes back to when they were both here. Mello, Mello really liked Aaron Aflalo, really liked him. And I think that's one of the reasons Mel, uh, Aflalo would go to New York, would be to play with Mello again. So what do you, what do you guys think about the, uh, the Nuggets free agent crop? Uh, they just have Jameer Nelson, Will Barton, and Darrell Arthur. You guys want any of those dudes back? Well, Rust, what do you think of uh, the Nuggets free agents? Well, I was just thinking maybe Aflalo should get a preemptive ACL replacement. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting older. <laughs> Still up, still yeah. on the ACL. I mean, that could be. <laughs> Jesus, that could be. I don't know. Somebody should talk to him about that. Anyway, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> Nuggets free agents. Nuggets free agents. The ones yeah. that are on the Nuggets that are free agents. Yeah, like Jameer Correct. Nelson and uh, uh, Will Barton. Yeah, and uh, it, it's a new era. Let's forget about these guys. I think the I think the Nelson I one. I kind is, of agree with that, though. I think Nelson is the most interesting one because. Him resigning, if he resigns with Denver in the next few days, that spells that the Nuggets have a deal worked out for Lawson, right? I mean, I can't see Nelson resigning with the Nuggets with Lawson still in the mix because he'd be a. He's already stated that he wants to play more than 18 minutes a game. You know, he wants to either be a starter or have a meaningful role as a backup, and there wouldn't be one in Denver if Lawson's still around. So, I mean,. Watching and the Nuggets as well. The Nuggets have to make a decision fairly soon on Lawson because they're going to miss out on signing a starter level point guard because they need one. I don't. I don't really think that Moutier should start day one. Maybe he can. Maybe he's fine. Why not? Yeah, I mean, why, it, why not? You want to bring a guy along slowly. Maybe you can make that argument. But yeah, why not? I mean, you know Carmelo started from day one, and, right? And starting a guy on, on day one in Denver is kind of like bringing someone along slowly. And there's no, it's there's not like no, he's starting day one in Los Angeles or he's starting on day one in San Antonio or even New York. It's Denver. There literally could not be a, a dimmer spotlight on this city and this team right now. New coach, uh, a rejuvenated upper management. Cronky, Connolly seem like they are ready to actually do something based on what they've done in the last month. Bringing in Michael Malone, big step. Start him. And Ty Lawson is not uh, the answer. I mean... We could talk all we want about if the Nuggets are going to make the playoffs next year or whatever, but if they make them with Moutier, it's even better. But why not start Moutier? There's no, I guess there's no right or wrong way to develop. You look at Melo, started from day one, did well. You look at Oflalo, didn't really play his first couple of years in the league, did okay. Jameer is better than, than Moutier right Moutier now. Back and he'll back China. <laughs> Stash in China. <laughs> Send him back. <laughs> Jameer, back. Jameer will be better from, you know, Probably the entire season he'll be a better player. Look, Jameer probably has 30 teams in the NBA that would love him. He's a great player. He's either a starter on a bad team or he's a, he's a, a back of the best backup point guard in the league. Would you rather have had Della Dover or Jameer in the finals? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it's not even <laughs> – yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's who he still right, is. Right, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But it is weird. I agree with Ross actually on this in that I think – if you're, starting, if you're starting, I love how everyone's surprised that they agree with Russ. <laughs> is, it, 
This is a weird People feeling. People agree I'm with feeling. me more than you think. <laughs> People don't want to agree with me. They're afraid they to do. admit. Actually, I agree with Ross for a change. Yeah. No, but it would be a weird point because at what point during the season do you swap, right? Or do you never? Do you just go into next season? I think I think it sends some weird signals. If Moutier is your guy for the future, let's give him a shot and let's put him in that role and let's see how he does. Otherwise, I think you're going to have some weird dynamics going into the season. So you start on the day good one. thing I think about Michael Malone is that unlike the last I don't know three four coaches he's not a wishy-washy personality he's not a wishy-washy man you know if anybody's going to make a decision like that it'll be him so talking about a, an NBA coach is going to have some power well what I'm saying is is an NBA coach who's not too smart for his own good uh a la Brian Shaw a la maybe even George Carl guys doing these these maneuvers trying to think that they are like a puppet master when the bottom line is Michael Malone is a guy that even DeMarcus Cousins likes. So put him in and play him. I think that's the way he's going to go. You've got to have a solid vision, though, and here's why. People, you know, Nuggets fans, especially Stiff's uh, commenters, really hate J.J. Hickson, and all year they have, and I get it. Coaches love a guy like J.J. Hickson because while he, he's not that great, he does. he's very consistent. You know what you're getting out of him every single time, and I think for Mike Malone, the Nuggets need to have a, a good vision Michael. for M- uh, Michael Malone. <laughs> they, right. they need a good vision uh, for what they're doing because if it was his choice, I'm sure he would start Jameer if Jameer was here because he knows what he's getting out of him. That's but if true. he has, if there's a clear vision from management like, look, this isn't a one-year thing. This is a two-, three-year build, then maybe it's a little bit easier for him to say, okay, Moody is going to make some mistakes. I don't know what I'm going to get, but that's the way to go. So are you saying like um, that, you know, this, this uh, kind of – dislike of J.J. Hickson isn't very bright? Is that what you're saying? I would say no. I, I, also, I too don't, don't care for, for J.J. Hickson at all. Actually, he's one of my least favorites. But I get why coaches like him because especially last year, Nurkic was so erratic. Some games he came out and he looked like the best center in the league and yeah. some games he, he came out and he airballed layups. So, so I, I, you know what I would say about Hickson? Is yes, you could see the there's the above-board stuff, which is the actual stats. Then there's the below-board stuff, stuffs, uh, stuff, which is how bad he was affecting every other thing. Literally, he did – and I can't say he did two things well. He just accumulated things. He, was, he just amassed certain things that had no actual bearing on winning and losing. Like, as an example, what? He would collect <laughs> rebounds that mean nothing. Like, literally – Go for rebounds, and then we'd well, go for like loose balls that were going out of bounds. Go, the yeah. Nuggets touched, and he tried to get it to get a rebound. And it's like, dude, let it go out of bounds. Like the other team touched it. So it's, he's an idiot. Dude, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> was that we would, we would call those empty aware. stats? He's very aware of his stats. And double doubles, I mean, are very valuable in the NBA because you can actually make a long career. Sure. Tony Batty was in the NBA for fifteen years. years. And he just did that, just being competent, getting rebounds, and that the teams value that. I, that that's I what happens. You know? I, I do think it's a good point that Adam brought up, though, of be open and honest with your coach. Maybe move some guys out of the way so he doesn't feel forced sure. to play yep. them. I mean, look at you look at the at the big men for the Nuggets. I'd much rather see. I want to see Joffrey, Fareed. Jokic and Nurkic get meaningful minutes this season. I want to see them play. Moutier, same thing. Gary Harris, same thing, which I, I think they should try to figure out a way to 
you know, get rid of Randy Foy so that, you know, Harris gets a time to play there, as well as Will Barton if they bring him back into the mix. You know, it just feels like that the Nuggets are, you know, kind of half in, half out on rebuilding, and it's like, just go the full way. You have this young roster, but if you keep these mainstays there, they may not play, and you're going to be delaying the inevitable. Michael Malone, them hiring Michael Malone, a bold choice, should change your opinion a little bit on them being half in, half out. That was true. a that was an inspired decision by the Nuggets. That is the only decision they could have made in the offseason that will change the trajectory of the team. I think that completely changes everything, the entire landscape. Malone. So, oh, Michael Malone, yeah, absolutely. Because right. I mean, if you, if, you bring in, if you bring in Mike D'Antoni, you ah. know automatically what you're going to try to do. Yeah, sure. And with D'Antoni, Malone, they can, no. And they've they've bought the time with Malone, so. I do hope they give him time. And how influential can he be, you know, with Moutier, with Jokic, you know, these young guys that he's going to have to mold, Gary Harris even, you know, Nurkic, who could be seen similarly to DeMarcus Cousins in the fact that he's a post guy. Well, I will say this. You're listing off a lot of the guys that are on the Nuggets roster now and what Michael Malone will do with them. I'm guessing it's not going to be so much that. It's going to be more of like what other players are added to it. The team's going to look completely different. There's going to be a few guys that we've had around, but it's going to be totally different. Michael Malone will change this whole this whole thing. Part of me wonders if it will be that different, though. I really think Ty. Obviously, I think all of us think Ty is out. I think they're just everybody hopes for, he is, but yeah. I think everybody thinks so too. I think if you saw the press conference with Tim Conley, I think it was pretty evident that was their goal number one, or at least goal number two of, of, of draft night was to have him gone, and they didn't get it, and he was just crushed by it. But I think he's gone. But guys like Fareed. You know, who got so a lot of Nuggets fans had soured on over time. Wilson Chandler, Gallo, they're part of this two-year slump that we've had. And I, I don't know that we necessarily want to just, you know, tank those guys and start over. Not I think those guys. Not the Gallo. But who else besides Not the Ty? Wilson Chandlers. But Ty's got to go. I think Fareed probably should go, too. Maybe you want to keep him. But these other guys, Gary Harris, Jim, Jameer, these guys need to go. Jameer, what's his face? Nelson. Randy Foy. Jameer Randy Nelson. Foy. I can't even believe Randy Foy's still on this team. <laughs> Seriously. It's unbelievable. It's like he can <laughs> shoot three-pointers, three supposedly, or not really. I don't know. When do we when do we find out on Jameer? July 11th is the end date. If he's on the team July 12th, he's on the team. Okay. The Nuggets should announce that probably before that, that date. But yeah, like we'll three hours. Then. Like three hours from now. Uh, less than that. 12.01. We're, we're, we're <laughs> July 1st. Your walking By the time you're listening to this, well, the uh, Denver Nuggets could be be a completely different team. Well, that's another thing, too. If, if, if Foy is not a part of their future, you know, Tim Conley and Foy are, are, have a pretty close relationship, I would think they would release him very early on so he could get meetings and could find a role with another team. I don't think they try to put him in a tough spot, but maybe, maybe they think they can still get something for him, like a second-round pick, which is, I don't know, I, I guess if we're just praising Tim Conley for his second-round picks, we should say, hey, that's kind of valuable, right? <laughs> Who knows? But that, I mean, that's interesting. So let's look at the, at the coaching aspect of things. You know, you see a great soundbite from Popovich today saying, if a free agent doesn't want to – I'm not calling anybody at midnight. If, if that's important to him, then we don't want him here. That was awesome. That's what Popovich that was said. best quote of the yeah. last week. <laughs> he's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he is Popovich full of shit. Popovich said that. He's, he's running an offense he hates. Have you ever heard of when like, coaches or owners will literally say the opposite of what they're thinking? There's no other reason why Popovich would say that unless he was – it's the opposite. That's not a bad theory. Well, I mean, he's a uh, <laughs> right. he's a, a known bullshitter in press conferences, right? Right. 
This is commit. this is one of the things that's beautiful about the NBA. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that have crafted an image of themselves, and they just keep it going. And Popovich is one of them. He's the curmudgeon. He's grouchy. He's short on interviews. I imagine it's not who he is, but he's been doing it for so long. Might as well keep it going. I was just listening to the Beatlemania. Michelle Beetle had Matt Bonner on her podcast, and they were talking about that very thing, how Popovich is viewed nationally. But if you actually are a beat writer or a guy that spends a lot of time there, like you love the guy. Right. You know, and he does a lot of stuff that's, that's that's pretty cool for reporters. I think Matt Bonner is even saying, as a player, there was something about wine. He was sending him wine. I don't know something, but it was it, that is funny that guys kind of have these different perceptions. But he's probably asleep right now, Popovich. He could be. He's an yeah. old man. Just you know, but how just how what time important? Is it in, uh, where does he live? San Antonio, I think. You think? Do you know what? Probably not in the off season though. He probably lives in Phoenix. I'm, I don't know why. He seems like a Phoenix guy. Could be. Could be very true. A retiree. Yeah, Scottsdale. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, wow. All right. All right. That's the end of that. Uh, you um, know, if anybody needs to get a preemptive coaches, hip centers, I don't think anybody wants to talk hip replacement anymore. It's uh, Greg Popovich. That guy should get a hip replacement. Hip <laughs> preemptive hip replacement. Preemptively hit. Before he's got no time left. He's not like <laughs> Phil Jackson, who's been doing yoga for 30 years. I think Phil yeah. Jackson has a new hit, though. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah, so, bad example there. He's but smart. But <laughs> he's smart. He's yeah. smart. Yeah, you got the preemptive, preemptive one. <laughs> preemptive hit play. That's, that's why he was limping around. Um, I want to get that. Uh, what's that new movie coming out with uh, that guy that has the weird long name? He's like transports his body into Ryan Reynolds' body. Whoa. You seen that? Or his mind in a Ryan Reynolds guy with the weird sounds like a good name. good idea. I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. He's like English. He's kind of older, bald head. His voice has like a gray and black goatee. This will be a new game for the podcast. <laughs> I vaguely describe Sean Connery. <laughs> no, he has like three. I think he has three names. It's like Sir Sean William Patrick somebody. Flannery. I think there's a Sir in there. Sir Ben Kingsley. <laughs> yeah, Sir Ben, ben Kingsley. Kingsley. That name's not that, not long. that yeah. long. Yeah, Ben Kingsley's it's, not long. It's shorter Sex. than like Nate Timmons, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say long? I didn't mean that. I don't know. <laughs> That's such a long name. <laughs> but just uh, did anybody Three. know that I actually got it right? Yeah, that yes, was you did. Good, Ross. Very you good. Knew yeah, he's I've, I've known Nate Timmons for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will vaguely describe actors, and you guys have to try to guess them. <laughs> that was, you know, Nate, I've, you, you and I have known each other for, what, you know, what five years now? I had no clue what you were talking about. <laughs> well, he's in, his, he's in some new movie where he supposedly has the option of transforming his consciousness into a new body, and that new body is Ryan Reynolds. He, made, he chose wisely. I hope I'm <laughs> around long enough to where that day happens, because that would be cool. You know, Ben Kingsley was Gandhi. Any movie? Yeah, I just watched uh, the last four seasons of Sopranos. It was actually over the last couple of years, but I, I just, just started watching those again it. too. Oh yeah, and I totally missed Ben Kingsley having that cameo appearance in the episode when Christopher's out in L.A. working the. What a brilliant episode! Totally for those that. people who know what I'm talking about, Sopranos. There was still the, Ben Kingsley was in the Sopranos. <laughs> still the worst ending of a series I've ever seen. I beg to differ. I did. Come on, it was perfect. It was a perfect ending. Just, just I don't even know what happened. Still, oh. do you watch the Sopranos? Did you ever watch this? No, actually, I haven't. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, we won't well, let me into tell it. you. <laughs> no, no I, I know what happens at the end, though. So <laughs> Tony I, I dies at the end. Yeah. That's what's assumed, right? Uh, without question. So it's right. the same show as like Breaking Bad. Oh, Breaking Bad is so good. That was good. Yeah, that's art imitating so, life because I think James Gandolfini's dead now, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Well, everyone dies <laughs> yeah, at some point, Chef. <laughs> 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 
That was so prophetic. <laughs> man. Wow. They foretold the story. Going to die eventually. <laughs> I don't think he got taken out. Well, maybe by his own body, I guess. Attacked by his prophetic. own heart. It was prophetic. Uh, yeah. I feel so bad uh, for laughing about this. <laughs> oh, wow. This is what this podcast is for. Do you watch other sports, Adam, or are you just an NBA? I'm mainly. I watch the Broncos just. You know, because they're on on Sundays and everybody's watching them, but I don't, I don't get into it that much. Do you guys Nobody here walks that, uh, watches golf, huh? I watch oh my golf. God. I'd like I to watch golf. a little golf from time to time. I watch yeah. the majors, yeah. You guys it are all crazy. It is still the best sport as far as drama, uh, intrigue. All the players do you are, play golf, Adam? You root for. How about that U.S. Open? Oh, it was the best <laughs> U.S. Open of all time. That was, uh, that was amazing. I think you have to play golf to appreciate watching golf. Probably, but I, doesn't everybody I, play golf? I've played golf once or twice, and I like golf less now that I've played <laughs> it. So no, <laughs> I said I was going to wait till I'm 30 to play golf, and I turned 30 and played it, and I hated it. So that's, I'm pushing it back another. That's 10 actually years. the complete opposite of what you should do. You should start <laughs> playing golf when you're 12. I didn't start until I was like 19. Yeah, it's tough. And uh, tell you what, those seven years. I'm. St- that take thirty years to make it up. You start playing golf when you're twelve. Yeah. Anybody out there that's twelve, go start playing golf. Pick up some uh, sticks, kids. Anybody out there who has kids, let them play golf when they're twelve. Trust me, that from twelve to nineteen, you set up your whole life. You're a good golfer or a decent golfer. You start when you're after eighteen, and you suck for fifteen years. Business At deals, minimum. No matter what job you're in, too. I mean. Oh yeah, you can make some power, some power yeah, meetings out there on I'm the course. I'm always going to like setting up golf things with customers or potential customers, and there's always these four guys that I want to bring in that I work with. And they're like, they're like, I don't, I don't golf. You, you know what bugs me about golf? They make you wear collars and like tennis shoes. You know it's what? It's 100 degrees outside. You just want to be in sandals, shorts, and a t-shirt. Well, uh, here's or the no thing. shirt. Here's the thing. Uh, that's Would you not play really basketball outside in sandals? That's, that's not really true. Well, okay. Actually, come on, <laughs> come on. You can wear t-shirts at most courses. To be honest, but the golf shirts they make these days are actually much, much easier. Let me readable. see. That. Jeff's got something on his laptop here. League sources tell CBS Sports that the salary cap could be as much as two million higher than projected. Wow! For the, for this year, huh? Wow! So we can give, lots of cap. We can give was, Will Barton. Was, so the Nuggets will have so, a little bit more room. So worth stopping and <laughs> talking about golf. All right, guys, you can't talk at the same time, <laughs> Ross. I know you haven't been here for like six months, but come on. Seriously, get stopped from the most boring tweet of all time. <laughs> I was I was showing Adam. I didn't expect you know you know Nate to chime in. Well, I saw a tweet. I'm thinking well, sh- something. Some shit must have gone. No, down. I would have start. I would have started. Thro- I would have started throwing shit if it was Nuggets related. Um, anyway. who, are you, who are you guys excited to see at, uh, at summer league? Besides the the, the Nuggets guys, I'd say that. Well, Okafor will be there. That'll be that'll be exciting. Um, uh, I was confused by a tweet today from the Philadelphia guys. So it was, it was, I, I also want to see if is Julius Randle going to play for the Lakers? You know, I don't know that. I don't think fun. he is. I don't think he's ready. Drew Rand. Um, they'll take it easy, especially with trade rumors with involving him. I think they'll probably sit him out. Yeah. They don't want him to tear another Achilles. I would like to see. I want to see D'Angelo, too. D'Angelo Russell yeah. and... Uh, Hizonia, if he's there, Mario Hizonia. Did the Nuggets play the Lakers? I haven't even there. looked that he's up. He's not going to be there. No. And you know, he's not coming to the Nuggets. Oh yeah, because Orlando. I do know that. It's okay to stop yeah. obsessing about Hizonia. Draft Dave Franco. He's somebody else's bust. Dude, we'll never see Hizonia at summer league so long as he's uh, stuck in Orlando. Damn it! Why don't the Nuggets trade Fareed for Hizonia? Do you want one of these? Yeah. 
What about you? I'm good. Oh, sorry. Wait, you want the Nuggets to what? Trade for Reed for Hazonia. Oh, I, I, don't, I yeah, know it's, it's going to be possible to do, but make it happen. Hazonia's gone from being the guy everybody likes a little bit. This might hurt Jeff's feelings. But he's gone from the guy that everybody loves for his attitude to almost being a punchline. Wouldn't you say, though, the Well, Rob- you know his Instagram. that He doesn't actually have Instagram. That was a fake? That was a fake Instagram. So all those quotes about him being better than Messi, he's better no, than Messi. No, that basketball. was true. That was okay. See, <laughs> he took it so far. Like There's a, like a level of confidence to where it's like, are you, you're just kind of parodying yourself. At this hey, listen, I, I, I'm all I for that. maybe he was just sticking up for the game of basketball, right? That's right. I don't want some stupid soccer player. I don't want to go watch that crap. You come watch <laughs> the real sport. Come watch basketball. I don't want to watch that crap. God, stupid soccer. But, I mean, okay, so with his own. Bubba Watson won the Travelers Open. Oh, wait. Sorry, you could see, you could literally see Jeff's disappointment when Orlando drafted Hazonia. But Rob Hennigan took him. Rob Hennigan, pretty well respected around the NBA. You know, I mean, if if, if they really felt that this guy was the next Jarrett Smith, would they have taken him at five? Well, I also have it. Uh, I guess Deion Waiters I, went pretty but, high, but, though, right? But let's—I heard multiple people say the Magic wanted Porzingis pretty badly. And yeah, that Jeff was Ford and Ryan Rosillo said that. He said if he was there, it was the number him. one pick on their board, and they took Hazonia because Przingis wasn't there, which is interesting. That her that Przingis had risen that far, you know, because I thought the Knicks were just reaching. But I thought that was a total smokescreen. I was like, Knicks are going to get on the clock and they're going to take Moutier, and you know it's going to play out to where the Nuggets either get probably Justice Winslow because I thought I thought Mario was going to go to the. Kings dodged a bullet there. on justice. I'll tell you that much. I it's think so a, too. I, his, I kind of fell out of love. His with stock dodged fell. His stock fell after his workout with the Nuggets. It was only his <laughs> second workout. <laughs> Jeff Morton ruined his career. You know what? <laughs> Owes you know, millions of dollars. unintentionally. Okay, now that now that everyone's been dra- everyone's been drafted, I can tell people the real story. Justice Winslow may paste you in the face. <laughs> I can tell you the real story. Uh, they let us all in. The media, they, the media gets to see the last fifteen minutes of the workouts. You Why don't you tell the real story when it happened? Because you know, I want you're to not be nice. held to any uh, standards from anyone. <laughs> Shut up! I'm telling the story. So I'm like, I, I, like, we get in, and Nate's with me. Were you there, Adam? No, you went. Okay, Is, Nate was. Nate's with me. We're we're, we're going to be, you know, Justice Winslow. He's a big time, you know, prospect in the uh, in the draft. So I had to get a washcloth to wipe the drool away from Matt Moore's mouth. Yeah, Matt Moore was just was in love with Justice Winslow, going nuts, just like telling us all about how the was Nuggets he should take Winslow. A paroxysm. <laughs> yes, he was. He, pro- was. he was. He was having a, a paroxysm aneurysm on the hardwood. <laughs> he, anyway, so we get in. <laughs> I start immediately filming uh, his workout. And he proceeds to miss 90% of the shots he takes. And, and in the meantime, he goes to the side and he's resting. He goes to the side and he's like talking to Jared Jeffries, one of the Nuggets, uh, uh, I think he's a vice president of developmental or something like that. This is a title. I'm gonna, someone's going to correct me on that. And he's just standing at the side drinking water and clearly out of breath. I mean, just completely out of breath. So I go back home and I'm putting together this video, you know, Colorado well, you missed Sports that guys. One part, like the Nuggets had given Winslow like two or three tasks, like we want you to do this and then go into this yeah. and then that. And Winslow would like get done with one of them and then be like, "What was the next one again?" 
And then he'd like, get done with that and go, Whoa, I, what else was it? And it was like they had to keep telling him like, was, what they wanted him to he do. He was standing at the, at the key, at the top of the key, talking to Jared Jeffries. And he looks over, he grabs his head and he kind of looks over at Jeffries and says, what was that again, man? What was that? And it was just, it was completely out of it. It was, it was, it was strange. And then he goes and interviews with, uh, he does an interview with all the media assembled there. And then he says something about being forced to go wherever he goes because it's the draft, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and it was just, he just came across badly to the media. It came across kind of like, I don't want to be here kind of thing. It was, it, that's just the way it kind of looked. He's going to be like a first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, doubtful. This guy's great. And anyway, so I go home and uh, I start <laughs> compiling this, vid- this the video that I had. And I called Nate and I said, I'm, I have a problem here. And he says, what? I go, all the video I have of, of uh, Winslow is awful. He looks terrible. And no one was really paying attention to his workout. People were just taking video. He missed three dunks in a row before he finally made just some kind of half-assed dunk. I mean, it was, it was bad. I've and missed three <laughs> dunks in a row. <laughs> just, I still I, miss I can, dunks. I can and, relate. And so I, I told Nate, I said, like, I'm going to have to edit the crap out of this thing. In order for him to make to make be even respectable, because if I put this out as it is, people will accuse me of trying to make Justice Winslow look bad. Because Jeff is part of the left wing. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) And and I and Nate said, well, you know, whatever. So I, I I like. I wrestled with it for a while. I was I conflicted it. with it, too. I didn't really Wait, know. did you guys like, honestly think it would affect whether or not the Nuggets would pick him? No. no. We, just, we just knew there was a lot of people on our board that were really high on him, and we thought by publishing that video we'd be kind of, let me they make, might view it as us influencing. Let, let me n- make we no mistake here. He looked terrible. That was one of the – I've seen about 15 workouts between the last two years. No, not 15, about 12 workouts. Uh, between the last two years of the Nuggets, and that is by far the worst one I ever saw. He was just out of it. And I was, I was like, this is the last 15 minutes of the workout. That's not the main point of the workout. The workout is the private stuff that they do, the drills and all that stuff. And uh, I said, I don't want to give it the bad impression that I'm not to get him. Like, I'm it. And, he's, and I just decided to edit it down and then include the portion of the clip at the end. And as soon as I pu- uploaded the video... I start getting inundated on the on the CSG YouTube page with negative comments about how awful Justice Winslow looked. Yeah. Just, just like all these comments are negative, negative, negative. There's negative. a lot of people on Twitter too that were like, "Well, he really doesn't want to be in Denver." <laughs> they were just just popped up on my feed, and I was like, "Why are people?" And I that? hand to God here, I edited that video down. Jeez. I in fact at one point I I zoomed in so I didn't have to. We people didn't have to see the shots going into the hoop. I just like focused on him between two cameras and it was just to no avail and it just looked bad. And so apparently um, uh, Jordan White of uh, Hardwood Paroxysm and a bunch of other sites. Vice Sports. Vice Sports. Put, uh, uh, did just a little bit of video of, of Justice Windows look, workout and went viral. <laughs> and like went all across the internet. Well, at the Nuggets? Was this a video of him at the Nuggets or some other team? Yeah, in Denver. With the same workout. And I heard that multi- from multiple people that uh, uh, Justice Winslow's people were not happy with the Nuggets for letting people film that part of the workout. They were not happy that their client sucks. Did he, did, and and I, my response to that was, if you don't want him to look bad, don't let him suck in the public <laughs> portion of the workout. 
and it was just that bad. And so, but in the but Stanley Johnson, on the other hand, who was we saw work out the week before, who I wasn't really impressed with and had an awful shot, actually came across very very well. And in his interview portion, came across as very mature and as a guy who's just earnest and willing to get in the NBA. It's literally the polar opposite of Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow just. This did not oppress on every single level, and I, hand to God, I tried to edit it to where he didn't look awful, but it's you know, to no avail. You know, it's really interesting. It's weird though. I would that you tried to make him look less awful. Like I why, tried to. Like why? Yeah. I'm just curious. I tried on the to motivation. show an honest mix. I tried to give. Why didn't you show it mix. as it was? I mean, it, he sucked, right? Well, yeah, first of all, because those those workouts aren't very telling anyway. So you'd rather have the guy making the dunk than you would have a bunch of a guy missing three layups in a row. So I but, get it. But surprisingly, uh, in the three weeks that that's been up, it's got, you know, almost 14,000 views on YouTube. So I'm like... And then just tons of comments of like, he doesn't look great, doesn't look horrible. He clearly didn't <laughs> want to go to the Nuggets. Look at him. He's tanking. So there's, if we look at the draft, this is another interesting guy to me. So eighth pick is Stanley Johnson. Ninth pick is Frank Kaminsky. And then tenth is Justice Winslow. Frank Kaminsky, some teams really fell in love with him. He didn't even come to Denver to work out. They didn't even work him out. I'm really interested to see his game, too, because I'm like, what did they see that the Nuggets clearly wanted no part of? Like, how did my, you know, supposedly Michael Jordan really, really liked him. Tim Conley didn't even bring him in for a workout. Like, that's, and they're in the same range. I mean, he went nine, and the Nuggets drafted seven. So it's, to me, he's going to be another guy. And they even looked at power forwards. They looked at Trey Lyles. They brought in Miles Turner. They just didn't bring in Kaminsky. If I was a GM, I wouldn't bring in anybody. Because all it can do is screw up whatever impression that you could have by hours and hours and hours and hours of tape and scouting and all that stuff. Why do you have scouts? Why do you have international scouts if you're just going to go do a workout and then base your opinion well, on Well, I, I wish I could remember what article it was. this was from, but I, I, it was really interesting about why, get, why organizations bring people in. And they said that they would do – actually, I know what it was. It was uh, Cody Zeller. Talked about he did a players' tribune article and he talked about what they what happens at interviews and in workouts and he said some of them are really weird they'll they'll sit you down and they'll ask you really uncomfortable questions like why do you suck so bad at post ups and it'll be a guy straight faced you know real you know real mean or he'll just try to demean you like why are you so skinny you'll never be an NBA player with your body and like they'll just it's almost like an interrogation and he's like man I just we were eating lunch and all of a sudden he started insulting me and he says they do that because they're trying to see how you respond to different circumstances or or they'll come in and one guy will just build you up for an hour and then they'll change and the next guy comes in and just tears you down and they just want to see how you handle both um, so I think that's what we I could, see I could see an bit. interview do you think the honestly I could see an order? interview I uh, don't understand the workout portion but maybe you know think about this you know a guy's bad at big guards so you work him out with a, a really big guard that's just fouling him every time, and you don't really care how he does. You just want to know, is he going to be a guy that gets frustrated because he knows this is a weakness? So I think it's more just mental games that, that organizations play with. But by all that can be viewed by yeah, scouts and by in a live-action real game. That is, really the, that is really the most important thing. I think it's just and they most do organizations will tell you that. Yeah. You know? And, and, and all, what you just described, like this militaristic style of like building people up and then break, like that sounds all like the tactics of the unintelligent. Like, honestly. are they watching? They're watching. <laughs> like that sounds like well, something like a dumb person me. thought of a way to, like, you know what we'll do? Like I saw this on we'll CSI this. last night. We'll yell at them. It's going to work. And then we'll be nice to them. Then we'll yell at them again. <laughs> but, but are you talking about a law and order approach there with the, uh, the good cop, bad cop? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I know I, from Steve Jobs' autobiography. 
<laughs> that uh, I know with interviews for high for for executives, which I'm sure and stuff, all GMs in the right. NBA have read. <laughs> well, I know that he. <laughs> this is just a little anecdote. It's interesting. He said he would sit people down, and the first question would be like, "So, so, what's your sex life like?" And people, you know, these guys making millions of dollars a year, they'd be like, "What on earth?" And he, it's the same idea. You just want to you get to know a person, I guess, by making them very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I like the fact, and it's it's funny too because the Nuggets, as, to Ross's point, Tim Conley had said. No leaf, basically, no leaf has gone unturned. We're talking to you know college advisors, teachers, friends, right, neighbors, right. blah blah blah. And they draft Moutier, a guy that Tim Conley admitted I've never met him, never talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't bring him in for a workout. So what the hell was the point of any of it, right? Sometimes that's where once we, we come back to the beginning well, of the podcast. Tim Sometimes Conley, it's just dumb luck. Well, I think Conley rightfully assumed there was no chance that Moutier would be around. Right, like there's a remote chance, and you didn't get to talk to the guy. Yeah. Before. So. Well, and then he didn't come in. I believe that he, if he wouldn't have come, his to, representatives had refused to work out with the Nuggets. I think they tried to bring him in. And if he didn't, go, if he didn't want to go to the Kings and he chose to go to the Nuggets, that would have looked shitty on his part. So good for him not selecting well, teams the Kings in different areas. Basis for not, uh, I use the air quotes there, for not drafting Moutier was the fact that he didn't come in for the workout, which I think is kind of BS. Did you read the kid that there's a? a a Kings fan that had written on Denver Stiffs, he took about, I don't know, 45 paragraphs to explain that <laughs> the reason that the Kings didn't draft Moutier was because something that Pete D'Alessandro did and that, you know, Vlade Divac is this mastermind, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Are you even talking? Like, some some people on the internet are just fun. At well, you, it's, <laughs> at least there is a mastermind. Sometimes there's just Within fun. the Sacramento Kings organization. Those, those, Kings, those Kings fans are sucking, suffering from... Severe Stockholm syndrome right now. <laughs> You're talking about George Carl and you know te- you, teetering on being fired before he even coaches a full season. Man, what a badass George Carl is! <laughs> man, he could get paid like ten million bucks for like coaching thirty games. I mean, that's 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 the life right there. For coaching thirty. Oh, did he actually coach last? He coached last thirty oh, games. That's right. Yeah, that was a of great course. great point on the Mark Stein and Zach Lowe's podcast too. So they fire Mike Malone because he doesn't get he gets along with Cousins. They fire him for whatever. They bring in George Carl. He doesn't get along with Cousins. So now they're talking to John Calipari, and it's like, well, you're trying to find another guy that likes Cousins. Why didn't you just keep the guy that liked Cousins? Vivek is learning on the job. (laughs) I think he's in shell shock mode. It's funny because all of his interviews from two years ago, you know, chest out, well, this is how we do it in Silicon Valley, and this is how it works. And, I mean, he's been humbled as that is the laughing stock. I mean, even the Knicks have leapfrogged him now to oh, more respectability. It's just, it's just nice that nobody's making fun of the Nuggets at bat, this very moment. Bat shit crazy. Is what yeah. it is. But, I mean, what if you look back at the Kings, too? Like, how many their fans, obviously, they've had a lot of lottery picks, but have they had that many, like, top two, top three picks? Probably not, right? I mean, Cousins? Cousins wasn't even. Cousins was, was like six, six, fifth or six, right? Was he really? I don't Something like that. Is it totally. Uh, or was he in the realm of possibility that Cousins comes to the Nuggets? tomorrow morning i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility i think if if the kings decided that they wanted to move him that denver would be a team well i don't know i actually don't know it's because, so hard to because say, demarcus cousins was not it's not like george carl just decided he was going to start spreading rumors about wanting to trade demarcus cousins right it was demarcus cousins starting to spread rumors that that was happening isn't that the story? Who knows? Well, <laughs> I do know that his agent, Dan Fagan, is not a big fan of George Carl. So. Yeah, well, I, I don't think a lot of people are fans of George Carl. <laughs> yeah, I <know>. but, <laughs> but, man, just yeah. if, if, they, if, if DeMarcus Cousins comes to the Nuggets, that, this would be the greatest month of, in the Nuggets' <laughs> history. 
Would you guys like that? Would you like Cousins to come to Denver? What? Mm. Is that a serious question? Yeah. Of course. Wait, wait, is there a possible, is there like a rational reason why you wouldn't? Well, I think so. I, I think fit. I think fit would be the word. I'm going to play devil's advocate because I love Cousins and I think him coming here would be awesome. Thank I you. think he could build That's, around it. I don't but think I do think devil's advocate. You know, I no, think no, we no. have people who actually don't want him to come here in our presence. I'm ambivalent. I'm not saying. I, I don't think <laughs> well, it's, that counts. All right, devil's advocate. <laughs> well, I think the thing with him is it isn't the style everybody wants. Post-up basketball, especially when you slow it down like that, can be a little bit boring. And I think Nuggets have played kind of a slow-plotting style, and they're excited. They're ready for something a little bit more exciting. Um, so I think that that would be the argument against it, is that you want, you know, to build around Cousins, you're not going to run and gun. You're not going to pick and roll and, and do all this stuff with him because he's such a good post-presence, but he's really slow. Mile-high altitude is going to kill him. So since I think that would does, be the thing. Since when do you pick players based around the style that you want to play? Why don't you pick to do your style around the player? I mean, don't you want the best talent? I mean, DeMarcus I th- Cousins is... I, I think if you're the Nuggets front office, that's what you say. But if you're a Nuggets fan, maybe you think, you know, do I really want to spend the next seven years watching a relatively slow-paced basketball? Like I said, I want him. I'm just playing devil's advocate. He's but got, I think that's the argument. Well, he's got years we left on his deal. And my, my thing is that I'm probably not as worried about now is... The, was the money thing? You know, you get a guy in here on a big deal, and then how do you he's surround on, talent around him? But it's not that he's big a of a tiny deal, deal. That's a phenomenal deal yeah. he's on. So that one's so that's off the list. That's okay. That's fine. But then you look at the other fact of this is the interesting question to me: Is he a winner or is he a guy that just puts up stats? Because at some point, you know, can a power forward carry a team? Has he never had a team around him? He's always had different coaches, different players. Even that roster under Pete D'Alessandro Malone changed. I even looked at it. There's like 16 different faces in there in two years or something. Yeah. And that's the same thing I I think with Kevin Love, too. You know, can these guys be, you know, the cornerstone, the number one option? Or is Cousins a better as a second option? And that's where Moutier comes into play. If you you paired him with that guy, I mean. Can you imagine? Moutier, Cousins. I'll I'll say this. The NBA is really, 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 really stacked right now with talent. And and Cousins has not had a good team. Um, You know, they've been really bad. They have a, you, know, you would hope that maybe he'd win 40 games or something like that, and you'd be like, well, he carried a bad team to 40 wins. They've been really bad, but that team's been terrible. The Western Conference is loaded. You know, it takes a really loaded roster to get a six seed uh, in the Western Conference, so I but, give him a little but bit at of the sa- at the same time, though, that sounds like Kevin Love excuses. You know, that, that uh, he's got a bad team around Yeah, him. like how long are we going to say that about Cousins? I mean, LeBron dragged some shitty teams to the finals, and he dragged a shitty team through the finals this year. Well, that's first of all, a, LeBron such is an outlier. I don't LeBron know is the best player the, the last <laughs> 17 years, so that's a little different. But if you're giving up the farm Possibly for a the best guy, player of all time. Sure, sure. If, yes. you're, if you're giving up the farm for a guy, you better make damn sure he's a winner and that he can be a, a winner and a cornerstone for your I franchise. I don't know. That, I mean, like, you can't say that ahead of time. I mean, Let's you say it's a gamble for sure, but... Yeah. He's the kind of guy I look at, and, I, and there's a lot of players that say, oh, he'd be a good fit with Cousins. Oh, he'd be a good fit with Cousins, and you like that. Um, he's, I think you can build a team around him, and I would trust the Nuggets to do a better job than what Sacramento has over the last three years. I, guarantee, I, have, I have a feeling when Greg Popovich wakes up in, like, two or three days from his long <laughs> From his nap, yeah. <laughs> Boogie is a Denver Nugget. There you and go. Ty Lawson's bye-bye. You heard and it here first. Guys are, I mean, everybody's saying that. <laughs> Sources but are telling. Not? I mean, it's, multiple, it's, it's multiple, lining up multiple sources. Not only that, you have guys like uh, Vladi Divac and Vivek Rendive going public saying they're not trading cousins. If that's not an indicator that they are, 
<laughs> then I don't know what it is. There you go. These people are all liars and assholes. But cousins here would be great. It would only take the Denver Stiffs community about two hours before they went from hating it to loving him. Oh, I think that most jerseys. of them, most of them love it. Oh, okay. most of them would love, would love it. Yeah. it. I mean, he's, what's not to like, 24? I'd eventually come around on it, but I... I, I, oh, I he's fantastic. He's 24 years old, right? Yeah. He's yeah. three years away from his prime, and he's already a top 10 to 15 player in the league. Might be better on a good team when he's surrounded by actual talent. So, like, Just think if you'd had this. Think if you had Moutier, Gallinari, Jokic, Cousins. If Jokic, was, if those guys, if Ross, Jokic was a real deal, Ross is having Gallinari stayed healthy. It's, no, it's awesome. I'm saying it's fantastic. <laughs> it is fantastic. I actually really like that lineup. And then you probably still it's, have cap space. I, th- I think that would be a phenomenal thing. I don't think it'll happen. If the Sacramento Kings do that, they really they they're the dumbest organization in basketball the last 15 years. Because yeah, you don't make a trade like that even if your hands getting forced. You have him for three years. He's not going anywhere. I don't think that's a don't underestimate the power of the agent and the power of the player in the NBA. I'm telling you these. Mediocre talent gets $10, 12000000 million a year. Uh, the NBA, the players have control. They have the ability. Be and all you have to do is just not play hard. And that's easy to do. You can go out every day and not play hard and earn less than what you're getting paid. Or, or I'm telling you, it's enough to scare a team like the Sacramento Kings into making a move. Well, you think like one guy, you try to think of what guys got traded while they still had long-term deals that were still before their prime. It's kind of hard to, like, the, Darren Williams was certainly very surprising. Came out of the complete blue. When they couldn't get Mello, they get Darren Williams. You know, what other guys have, have been traded in that situation recently? You know, can you guys think of anybody? I, I can't really. I'm trying to, like, Darren, like Darren You're Williams. saying on a good deal, like before they signed their big extension? Well, if, if, if a guy, like, so if you trade for Cousins, if the Nuggets trade for him, they have three years with him. Right, right. right. Well, you're like, you looking don't, you don't usually maybe, have that maybe opportunity. Maybe Kevin Love, maybe? He's he was coming into last year, was it? Yeah. yeah, that was the last year of the contract, yeah. though. Yeah. Well, so no, technically, because he had an option. But yeah, that was that was the that was the that was like trading Melo's contract because he had the last year. Where was Pau Gasol so. when he got traded? Do you know? Was he on? Ooh, was he in the middle of his? Yeah, Pau. That was 2007. He was in the so Aegean on a yacht. Was <laughs> <laughs> that was that the question? Was? Yes, he was. Uh, it was snorkeling. <laughs> well, that would be that'd be tough to pass. Looking up, at some cuttlefish. If he was available three years for him, you know, it's pretty big. Pretty yeah. big. Yeah. Well, triumphant return for you, Ross. You did it. Hey, great times. See you guys in October. <laughs> Eventually, we will see Ross again. <laughs> Adam, Maybe thanks next for week. joining us, Who man. Knows? We appreciate it. Yeah, Adam, we got it done finally. Hey, we did. Finally. We scheduled it. You came there down. Wasn't, you, you didn't come all the way down here and then only to leave again. So yeah. that's, you know, I the expected first time the building was, to burn down or something. <laughs> the, <laughs> the first time was an awkward exchange in the parking lot. Like, yeah. sorry, we're leaving. So <laughs> yeah, that was a very go if you want. The next time was just dinner. We to, now we actually recorded a goddamn podcast. There we Good go. shit. Love it. We'll be, uh, Adam's going to Summer League, myself as well. Hopefully we'll get some pretty cool coverage and content from Vegas. We've had to uh, finagle credentials. It's Have you guys ever been process. to the uh, Aria? Yes. I just stayed at right next to that, Vidara. The, yeah. That's the Vidara, yeah. So there's this like chandelier bar in the middle of the... Oh, it's not... Maybe no, it's, that's like, the next Cosmo. To the Aria. Yeah, the Cosmo. Sorry. We went through the Aria, I think, to get there. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There's, a, there's a drink there called uh, the Buzz Button. Like it's this drink, it's like tequila, and they have this little flower called a buzz button, and they bite it. I recommend it. It's worth the twenty-seven dollars. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> Go do it. 
<laughs> buzz button. Okay. I'm yeah, not I, I wonder don't if they forget to tip the hookers. I mean waitresses. <laughs> do they serve Cosmos at uh, the Cosmopolitan? I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hope so, right? Good lord. Just, anybody listening? Google Buzz Button. It's fantastic. There's one bar in Denver that serves it. Really? It's, it's weird. Have you been to any of these uh, speakeasies in Denver? Nah. I keep hearing about it. I've been to one. They're fake, right? The green something. It's, uh, it's not a speakeasy. Oh. Green Russell. It's right across the street from Osteria Marco on... Uh, Is it like a secret entrance? Yeah. Or a handshake or yeah, something? Like, it's like a theme park. It's like Casa Bonita, but for... They got some nice drinks there, though. They have some real... I've heard they're pricey. I've heard some of them. Very I pricey. prefer the smokeasies. Have you heard of these? No. You speak easies around town? Yeah, they're there. I'll have to take you to the Green <laughs> Russell once. You'd, like, you'd enjoy it. Yeah, we'll do that. All right. Well, Adam, thanks for joining us. Ross, we'll see you in six months when you're off covering uh, the U.S. Open 2.0. <laughs> Jeff, we'll probably see you next week. Huh? All right.